folks, welcome back to the Ronin Rabbit, a Usagio Jimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and there will be spoilers this episode, as pretty much every episode since I talk about the comic books. Teal Productions on Twitter, T-E-A-L, is probably the best, most reliable, quickest way to get in touch with me. But you can also look at the Usagi Ujimbo fan page on Facebook. I'll post the episodes there. BigTimeNoise.com slash Rabbit is the website where the episodes are initially posted. And UsagiPodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Now, Usagi Ujimbo, Volume 3, Number 49, Issue 49, rather, from Dark Horse Comics, cover dated June 2001. The story is entitled Three Seasons. Now, you can find this reprinted in the Usagi Ujimbo, Book 16, The Shrouded Moon trade paperback, in the Usagi Ujimbo Saga, Book 3, and that looks to be about it up to this point, so... There we go. Now we start off the story. Uh, well, actually, let me also say that it is scripted, penciled, inked, and lettered by Stan Sakai. The colors, well, of course there are no colors because this is the Dark Horse Comics volume, so it's all in black and white. My preferred medium, but I understand why there is need for color at times. I'm just, I wish the new ones, what I'm hoping is that the new stories being published in color are collected in trade as black and white. They're also collected in trade in color, but I hope they're collected in black and white. I'd like to see that. So we start off here with a merchant speaking to someone. We are the someone throughout the story until the very end, and we find out we are not. But uh, it's almost like an interview process. We're sitting here at an inn. We're talking to, I believe this is Toshi. Yes. Uh, Toshi, Tai the Fishmonger, Murakami Genosuke, the Woodcutters, and of course Miyamoto Usagi are our protagonists. At the end, we find out that, well, I'll just save that for the end, because that's kind of cool. I won't give that away here. But Toshi is sitting here across the table from someone talking about having run into Usagi last winter when he was on an errand for his master, the merchant Araki. That is Toshi. They're in the Kanagawa region, and... Um, Araki is, Merchant Araki is concerned about bandits. And so he has sent Toshi on a transport job and has hired Usagi to be the guard to protect that job. So traveling are Usagi, Toshi, and a porter porting the goods that he is transporting. Going back and forth, just some different banter here about Usagi and Toshi about what it's like for each of them to be who they are. Uh, Usagi does notice, and of course he's noticed several times, but Toshi's walking around with a big banner that's advertising that he works for Araki. So in trying to guard the shipment, Usagi is initially rather put off by the fact that they're advertising what they're doing. You know, they don't look just like people traveling. People see that he's traveling in the name of a merchant, and they see that somebody... There's also somebody packing stuff, and so, you know, you can kind of put together, it, it must be a shipment of something. So along the way, they're passed up by the woodcutters here. Woodcutters are a couple characters that appear on and off in Stan's stories, just kind of a, a comedic side there to uh, to use. They don't do anything necessarily. 
we do find out that they are probably about um, about five miles outside of the next village when the woodcutters pass them. So about an hour and a half, maybe two hours travel till they get there. Hopefully they'll get to the next village before nightfall. They do arrive. Uh, Toshi asks for a room, and as the three, Toshi, Usagi, and the porter, are moving through the common room to go to their individual room for the night, Usagi notices some some toughs, thugs, brigands, whatever you want to call them, uh, watching. And he kind of gives them the stank face as he goes by to let them know uh, that he's, you know, I don't know, stanky. Uh, but it doesn't seem to work because as soon as they go by, the three ne'er-do-wells come on and they leave and go this way to set something up undoubtedly. So Usagi and the porter and Toshi continue to talk here in the room. Next day they start out, want to get a pretty early start because they want to cross the mountain that is ahead of them before noon and and be on the way down the mountain by the time afternoon comes. Well, at the top of the mountain, they're waylaid. Three brigands, actually the three that they saw in the common room at the inn, blocking their path, turn to retreat back the other way, find that there's another group of three behind them. So they're now surrounded. Uh, They can't go anywhere. The path is a mountain path. So you've got mountain up, on one side steeply, mountain down on the other side steeply, three dudes of ill intent in front and three dudes of ill intent behind. A little bit of verbal back and forth here, give us some money, no we won't, what do you think you are, what are you doing, you know, all that kind of stuff. Pretty lighter hearted than what it could really be. Well, Usagi finally runs up to the porter and says, give me that and yanks the chest that is supposedly carrying money off of his back and throws it off the steep side of the mountain path. The brigands of one side run past, catch up with the other three brigands. The six of them then rush to circle down, get down to the bottom of the mountain wherever this chest would have landed, hopefully to get the chest before someone else who's already down there just stumbles on it and takes their their booty. So Toshi is just absolutely beside himself. He can't believe what Usagi has done. And Usagi says, well, you know, if you think about it for a minute, let's see. Uh, it didn't make sense that your master told you to be so conspicuous. Not if you were actually transporting gold. My guess is that your chest was filled with rocks. You were a decoy. No doubt Merchant Araki is on the other road. Uh, one that is now free of Kanagawa's henchmen. So, initially what it was is the this group of six had broken up three watching one pathway, three watching another. Since they were noticed, all six focused on the one path to the town that they were going to, leaving the other path unimpeded by brigands. Usagi finishes by kind of looking over his shoulder as he's walking away, looking at Toshi, kind of scowling, and says, Araki didn't care if you were killed. I would consider staying with a master who had... I would reconsider staying with a master who had such disregard for my welfare. Now let's get out of here before those thugs discover they've been duped. And so Toshi finishes his story up and gets up from the table and leaves. Well, the next table over, finishing some sake, is the fishmonger, Ty the fishmonger, who asks if he can sit down. He recently has run across uh, Usagi too, can... can can I tell you my story? He's basically asking the interviewer. And we, we never get any feedback from our side of the table. No words, no, you know, little hands on the table in front of, or nothing. We have no idea other than these people are talking to us as we are reading the book. So Ty goes into his story, um, as indicated by his title, 
he is a fishmonger. A monger being someone, for those that may not know, the, uh, that sells. So he's, he's the fish market dude called a fishmonger. Actually, you hear fish, you hear uh, monger still used today. I, I watch my wife and I a lot of cooking shows, and we hear fishmonger as the reference to the dude that sells the fish. Uh, now, if it's other meats, he's a butcher. But a fishmonger will also cut up fish. So I don't know why he's not a butcher, or why he's not a fish butcher, or why butchers, I guess butchers don't sell fish traditionally. So that's the division there. But why is a fishmonger not also called a butcher? I don't know. Anyways, the dude is a fishmonger, and at his stall here, we watch as a dude in a big robe steals a fish and shoves it down the arm of his robe. Well, Usagi sees it from behind and even recognizes what's going on. Goes up and confronts the man. A little bit of back and forth. Ty comes over. Another um, patron of the stall comes over. And between the two of them and Usagi, the dude reaches back in his sleeve and is surprised. Oh, man, what is it? Look at here. How did that get there? And Ty uses it as a chance to advertise. He says, ha, it must have jumped in. Ty's fish are fresher than I thought. So Usagi kind of browbeats the dude who runs off, tossing this nice fish up in the air as he runs away. So it kind of wastes the fish because it lands and gets all bruised up and rolls in the dirt and everything there. So, I mean, he didn't make off with the fish, but Ty lost being able to sell a fish. So for him, it was the same end result. Needless to say, Tai is now indebted to Usagi, thanks him, invites him for a meal and a, a bed for the night, which Usagi does take him up on. As a matter of fact, they are so enamored of each other uh, that Usagi stays for a while, even helping Tai uh, butcher fish, fillet fish, I guess. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's not called a butcher, because you don't butcher fish, you fillet them. But you don't fillet a cow, you butcher it. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm starting to focus a little bit too much on that one thing but it's it just it's kind of odd you know words yeah so later on that day or the next day or you know at some point while usagi is there a trio of thugs not related to the dude that tried to steal the fish show up they're there to start a protection racket so what they're going to do is they're going to go through and they're going to roust all of the merchants and then tell the merchants oh and by the way if you don't want this kind of thing to happen to you Again, you should pay me, and I'll protect you against people who do this, which is kind of funny because they just did it, right? And if you're paying them, does that mean they won't do that to you, or they will, and you pay for the privilege? Or Yeah, So, but that that's always the way it's been. Protection rackets, they show you what will happen. They tell you their price, and then you decide whether or not you want to pay. If you don't pay, they are the ones that come around and trash your place. Uh, if you do pay, eh, they might trash your place only when they want more money. Or if you get in some kind of war, then your place gets trashed and the people that you paid the money for, it, well, they don't do anything. Yeah. Protection rackets. So they confront Ty and they basically, like I said, trash his place. Well, Usagi's there in the back and he comes out and says, uh, uh, they, they tell him, this is just between us and your boss. And he says, I'm making it my concern. And as they grab their swords and one unsheaths the sword they say uh, so you need to be taught a lesson huh get him and usagi runs up and in his left hand grabs a fish and in his right hand grabs an octopus by the tentacles so that the weighted head is out front being slung around and he starts beating the poo out of these people and he beats them down until they're screaming we give up stop enough enough 
Misaki tells him, get out of here before I get really mad and don't ever come back. Makes a joke about uh, tenderizing the squid here with Ty as he and Ty clean everything up. And Ty makes his excuses and leaves the table. So then we have a panel of just a, a blank point of field of view of, of ours. And then someone else comes into the field of view and says, uh, is it okay if I sit down? I heard you were asking about that long-eared samurai. I met him just a few days ago. And so uh, this gentleman, who's a little rough around the edges, starts telling his tale. Uh, he is the son of a poor farmer in a local, in, in a nearby province, the next one over. But he doesn't want to be a, a farmer. He doesn't want to play in the dirt and work hard all day. So he decides he's going to do something else to make money. Well, gambling? Question mark? No, no. Gambling doesn't turn out too well for me loses too much money so he buys a sword and decides that he's going to be a bandit and looking around uh, one particular town you know that he's going to set up any bandit is thinking now this dude didn't give his name so we had Toshi as the merchant's representative we had Tai as the fishmonger and we have farmer dude that no name he didn't want to give a name because he doesn't want to embarrass his dad with his story about what he had been doing even though he indicates by the end of the story he's no longer participating in that lifestyle. So he's at this town trying to figure out where he's going to settle and start uh, banditing, I guess. Thinks merchants, traveling priests, even peasants, and they're all ripe for the picking. So this is where he's going to set up. He goes down the main path that leads to the little village and walks off to the side and hides behind a big tree and decides that he is going to start that day. Well, his first um, interaction, well not interaction, the first group he sees is a merchant with a porter and a bodyguard, much like the arrangement that Usagi had with Toshi in the first story. Although looking at the drawing, this is not Usagi. So that'd be a funny coincidence though. So the dude is sitting here behind the tree and waiting and waiting. Nobody passes by, waiting, waiting, falls asleep, Waiting, waiting, wakes up because he hears voices, and the voices are Usagi and Genesuke, or Genesuke, excuse me. Uh, they're just passing by on their journeys, you know, as, as they're apt to do, and Usagi sits down because they, they seem to be kind of fussing at each other. So Usagi's tired, he's going to take a break, plus he's just going to sit there and, and fuss for a moment. Well, they're going at it back and forth, Gen and Usagi, and then Gen sits down. Usagi lays back, and a merchant, pretty plump-looking uh, merchant, walks by, and the, the wannabe bandit gets upset, thinking, oh man, there was my mark, and because and of those two samurai, I couldn't do anything. So he waits and waits. A little while uh, longer, and, and Usagi and Genesuke uh, both get up, and they leave. So dude sits behind his tree, and he waits and waits. And there's another merchant coming by himself this time. So he grabs his sword, and he's about to jump out in front of the merchant, but he hears something wrestling behind him, and turns around, and Usagi is standing there, holding the sword extended, pointing at his forehead. And he's just standing there, and the guy says, oh, please, please, please don't kill me. And with a rather stern face, Usagi's just standing there. The dude finally drops his sword, and we see he's shaking his arms and his legs, and panel of Usagi just standing there looking at him. Finally, the guy exclaims, no, 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 please don't hurt me. And we see Usagi's sword, as in Usagi is still standing there. And then the next panel is the guy crouching, uh, hiding behind his hands as Usagi walks away. So the dude here, farmer dude, finishes his story. He never said a word. He just sheathed his sword and walked away. But like I said, I've changed my ways. I figured I don't stand a chance as a bandit with people like him around. Um, finishes up with, I saw him three days ago. They were going north. 
And then someone he, he asks, why are you looking for him? Is he a relative or something? And the individual says, or something, and we see that it's Kiko. And she, after the dude leaves, walks over to another table somewhere and says, he's going north, auntie. And Jay looks up and says, good, we'll travel north as well. So apparently Jay is on the trail of Usagi and uh, Kiko. Kiko's traveling with her. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Jay is probably the nastiest, evilest um, antagonist that Usagi has made so far in his journeys. So, a couple words. We had Ronin again. We had a Re, which is a measure of distance, 3.9 kilometers, which equals about uh, 4.8 miles, about, about 5 miles. And so that was the woodcutters talking about how far away from the village they are. I figured that meant uh, they were about, you know, an hour and a half or two hours of, of moderate walking to get to the next village. So I think that's um, that's everything that I was wanting to talk about this episode. So next time out, we have the current volume, volume four, issue 13 that I have penciled in to talk about. So it looks like, um, well, actually what, what I'm going to be doing is um, alternating recording uh, uh, topics as I record. I'll record about, I'll talk about an old book and then the current color classics issue or a, a color classics issue, whichever. And as I said, we just finished the first volume. So the next one will be the first of the second volume. And it is entitled Wanderer's Road. So uh, so it'll be a an old book, a reprint, an old and a new in, in that order over and over and over again as, as I go through. So um, more older book recordings because we have more older books to talk about before we get caught up. But nonetheless, next episode, current volume, volume four from IDW, the color volume, issue 13 will be what I'm looking at. Talk to you guys next time. Ciao.